Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to my good bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is Hello. I'm going to do a little uh, brain breather-ish thing here. I know I've been doing a lot of solo apps, but I did um, end up skipping a week last week because of just busyness. Um, so I think it's funny that the word business, it is literally busyness. <laughs> like, and that's what business is. Business is being busy. It's busyness. <laughs> anyway, I had a lot of busyness last week. Um I managed to record an app, but didn't get to put it up. And I want to make up for it by doing dropping two, dropping two in one week. Um, before I go out of town, and hopefully we'll find some folks to talk to while I'm out of town. Uh, might do some call and things. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. I want to talk on this brain breather about something that's like infected my head in recent history. Um, I read this book. Well, I've listened to a book, to be fair. Uh, it's a little hard to sit down and just read books these days. Um, I was talking to some people about that yesterday. I mean, that I don't know. That's something maybe I should be more worried about, the, the you know lack of finishing books. Um, but listening to books when they're unabridged is just the same thing, just about. Uh, it's called The Alchemist. It's a really famous book. I'm sure a lot of people here have read it. Uh, Paulo Coelho. Coelho? Coelho? I think it's Coelho. Uh, he's Brazilian wrote this book called The Alchemist, and uh, on my birthday, I was just dark. I was being dark and existential fucking pill, and someone uh, uh, recommended The Alchemist to me. They're like, you ever read The Alchemist? I read that when I'm down. My brother piped up, and he was like, I love that book. I have a few copies of that book. It's a great book. Definitely love that book. <clears throat> so when I uh, went and got a new library card, um at a new library. I already had an LA public library one. I got a Glendale public library one. Um, they also have one of these apps. Sorry, I have a little cold. They have one of these apps where you can download like audiobooks and different things for free. 
And um, I thought, oh, let's see if they have The Alchemist because, you know, a lot of library apps do, but there's like a wait list sometimes. And um, I downloaded The Alchemist and I listened to The Alchemist and it's beautiful. It's like a fable. It's uh, it's a fabular, fabulous tale, which another is another funny word like busyness and business. Fable, fabulous. It's like fabular. Like if if, if a tale's like has fabulistic like fable qualities, <laughs> it's fabulous. You know, it's, yeah, interesting. Anyway, and the book, which I'll briefly, I I, I recommend checking out. The audiobook's fun too. Jeremy Irons reads it, and it's it's very wonderful to listen to Jeremy Irons read to you about anything at all. Makes everything sound much more rich and meaningful. Um. Vague, not very. We'll see if that was any good as an impression. Be good, the idea. The Alchemist is about this kid. He's an Andalusian shepherd who um, feels he has to have an. He wants to try. He doesn't want to just be a shepherd. He wants to be more. And how he has this yearning for more, and is kind of fighting between safety and moreness. And um, basically finds himself traveling the world to seek out this treasure, to to seek out this treasure that I believe he sees in a dream. I'm not, I know, I'd have to listen again, and, you know, it was, it was a listen through, so I don't always pick up details as well. But this idea in the book of living your personal legend is put out. And um, another phrase, another thing that's really just beautiful and powerful to me is uh, he talks about learning the language of the world, that there's this universal language of the world, and it speaks in uh, signs and omens, and it speaks it speaks to you. And uh, at some point, I believe they simply define it as love, as the universal language of the world is love. And if you know how to re- speak that language and hear that language, then the universe will speak to you. Divinity will speak to you, and there's no way anything can step in your way if you just learn this language of the world, the ability to read the signs and omens, and then live your personal legend, and that everybody has one, and that a true love, even, he meets a woman in the in the journey that he's powerfully in love with, and it's just beautiful, it's just, it's just beautiful, I, I love, I relate to the idea of a love where you meet someone, and you just, there's just a lightning bolt thing, if you're listening, and you're available for it, and, um, it's just a beautiful, yeah, it's like a fable. It's like a folk tale that someone wrote, you know, within the last hundred years. Actually, that's interesting. That's an interesting thing. I was I was looking up about this guy, Paulo Coelho, and he is has a fascinating, wonderful life. I, I th- relevant to this podcast, uh, he his parents put him in a mental institution because he was so introverted and and didn't was so opposed to having a, a traditional path in his life he's a very a very catholic family they put him in a mental institution he escaped from three times before being released at age 20 um they thought he was fucking crazy and furthermore like skipping like 40 years but when he wrote the alchemist he had already written a book called the pilgrimage about this walk that he went on and uh, you know this this famous pilgrimage path the um santiago de uh, compostela it's this like you know path or whatever of uh, religious significance i think in catholicism maybe but uh he wrote the alchemist in 1986 
seven, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, 1988. And he first published the book. It had only ran for 900 copies, and the Brazilian printer didn't want to reprint it. And he found a bigger publishing house later, and they printed it, and it was around. It was, you know, it started to do better. And then he published a book in 94, like almost 10 years after <laughs> he wrote it with a bigger publisher. And then it became, after that, an international bestseller, like later. So like this idea that you <laughs> you would feel like your life is like you don't know what you're doing or what you're creating or why you're doing what you're doing. And that you might put out like the thing that might be your life's work, like might be the most important thing you have to share with other people. And it's still, it would even get published and it would get published again. And then it would get published finally again, almost a decade after you wrote it. And that's when it would find its voice, its moment that people are like, wait, wait, this is a thing we catch on. You know, like you just have no sense of what you're, you know, and by that point, he'd already been, he was like in his 50s, you know, and he had a successful, cool life or whatever of creation. He was this songwriter and I don't know that's all fascinating to me but just just that you know your journey's never over you know this like this chance to grab your legend but something that the book is in the book I felt like was this important thing was that like if you don't listen to the signs and omens of the world and you don't learn the language of the world and you don't follow your personal legend you will know and it will haunt you and it will haunt the people who love you even because they will know. And it's not that you'll have a bad life necessarily. Like you might have a very comfortable, good life. That's one of the points of the story is like that that you you may have a very good life. You will settle somewhere and you will stay there and it will be good. And you will have food and water and a house and a lovely life and everything. But there will be this thing in you, this unrest that knows you didn't live your personal legend and this idea that you can look at your life, like we, we love narratives. I think narratives are so helpful and can also be so hurtful to how we live our lives and what we think of as our possibility and what we can do or should do with our lives. That the idea of thinking, yeah, you know what, I do, I have a legend, I have, I have a quest, I have something to fulfill. I mean, this is hero's journey stuff, whatever. This has been so, I've been stuck with this thought, living your personal legend um, on the podcast you know I've talked pretty openly about my mental health struggles and my you know ways I you know don't feel like I dealt with traumas or whatever and and I kind of feel like I fucked off my 20s and it's not totally true I look back I learned a lot I did a lot I wouldn't waste it you know that was part of my journey but this avoidance of the voice inside us or the thing we need to do when they talk about reading the omens and signs of the world like learning to to, to see and read the omens and signs that can feel very woo-woo, you know? It can feel very like, oh, so you're saying that <clears throat> the world's going to... Like he says in his... He has said, but the author, that he said that when he would see a white feather, it meant he needed to write a new book if he encountered a white feather. And that he like found one, you know, uh, saw one in like a storefront and then went home and started writing and that became his like next book. He just knew that that meant something. And... You know, when I, I, I really like things like that. I love the idea of omens and signs. I like astrology. I like tarot. And I, to those who think it's all just silly and, you know, love to be like, it's not science or whatever. It's not. It, you're right. Um, what I think it is is an acknowledgement 
on one level, maybe the most woo-woo part would just be an acknowledgement that there's more at work, that we know there's more at work than science can explain to us so far. And I don't think anybody, any scientist in the right mind would uh, disagree with that. You know, dark matter, 90% of the mass of the universe that we can sort of detect, but we can't measure and we don't know what it is. That there's something else. And that people just come up with these esoteric tools to sort of dissect them for themselves. And furthermore, when we talk about astrology or tarot or, or this fabular, fabulous tales, we... um we're usually talking about pretty common archetypes, things like, like, why do we all have dreams about falling or spiders or um, uh, being naked in public or uh, running so fast and we can't get away from what's chasing us? Um, these are shared fears. These are, these are part of being a human. And I believe there are things like in tarot images, you know, um, swords, uh, the, this tower, uh, a wise old man or woman, the the um, the young lovers, the that there there are these things that we see that recur in all our stories, and we understand them immediately. You could put them on a flashcard, and you know you would say that's oh human stuff. You know that represents this. That represents this. We just have an innate understanding of these these things, and. Uh, to me, if you chose anything uh, and picked it and said, you know, here's your horoscope, your, your today is going to be all about balance, <laughs> that just taking that moment to think about balance in your life and where it is, this, you know, um, these are sort of universal things that would force you to reflect and go like, it's, it is all about balance because everything's all out of balance in my life. Or it is all a balance because things are very even right now. And for everything that I do, an opposite and equal thing happens also. And it just gets you to reflect on these themes that are universal. And um, I had a teacher, a, a theater teacher, who used to say uh, to us, where's the love in the scene? Like it's, you know, where's the love in the scene? And I think it's a given pretty much that the theme of all art and all songs and everything that's ever existed is love one way or another. Um even if it's defined by its absence. or uh, And this phrase, where's the love in this scene? is something I think about a lot. Like when I talk to people, where's the love in them? And if the love is way over there beyond the horizon, or the, the you know it's a little bit closer, it's like uh, playing shortstop, or if the love is right there in the center of their heart, or their forehead, or their groin, like where's the love in the scene, you know? Um, just thinking about that, I, I had a a poetry uh, friend, I, I, she tutored me a little bit in, in poetry and helped edit some of my poems once, and I felt like I learned a lot from her. And, um, uh, Jessie Gaynor, I believe, uh, is her name. I, I mess up names in my head. <clears throat> but she uh, suggested some books to me, and one of them was called uh, The Triggering Town by, I forget, but um, R maybe Richard, something, I don't know. The Triggering Town is what it's called. It's a wonderful book, and it felt I felt like it was the most useful book I've read about writing poetry uh, in my life and one thing they say in there too is that a, a good poem is strongly located that you need to know and that does that just that idea of uh, location can mean whatever you want it to mean and we're writing poems but that you need to know where it is you need to know what it looks like you need to know if it's out in that shed with um, 
you know, roughly sanded walls. So they still smell like fresh wood, but they're not that smooth. And you have to be careful. They could probably give you a little sliver if you rubbed your hands over it. But that smell is so present. And maybe there's, you know, it rained recently. So the outside of this poem uh, has that smell of petrichor. You know, you need to know where the poem is. The sky is uh, blue and the clouds are those streaky kind. Locate them. And that idea of like locating the love, where's the love in your scene? That's to me like reading omens and signs and listening to the language of the world. Is there, if you are seeing something, if you see a hummingbird, I have hummingbirds as a thing for me. Hummingbirds keep coming into your life and you think hummingbirds have always had a message for me. And I see hummingbirds and they're there to remind you that, um, be who you are, that you are fast and you are frenetic and you can be too anxious and you do need to feed yourself because it takes a lot to run these engines. So make sure you're doing that and getting what you need. And also it's okay. You can be still among the insanity of your ADH brain and your wings flapping a million miles a moment. That's okay. I'm here to remind you it's okay to be you. Like that, that's the thing that it says to me. It's okay to be you. Pay attention to the things that you feel. Pay attention to what's important to you. Pursue them. Pursue them. Don't lose sight of your stillness and your presence of mind and the things that you know to be true, even though you can't stop going a million miles a minute. You can do it. To me, that's reading the signs and the omens of the world. And if you can read the signs and the omens of the world, that really just means that you've adjusted yourself and carved yourself down to a sensitive enough place that you can hear the whispering voice that says you're not living your legend you need to start living your legend what are you doing right now what are you pursuing where are you putting your heart and your time with your hands what are you doing are you living your legend are you comfortable are you uncomfortable in living your legend that's me a lot i'm uncomfortable but also scared and confused at the world and not understanding how things work. Part of the, the reason I think I pursued creative stuff is it, was, it just made the most sense to me. There's a structure and an understanding behind creation and a truth to it that I, I can go, and it's, it's a little bit wild and hard to explain when you're making a play or a, a, a stupid video or something. Like you, you can't, you couldn't just, structure it and make anybody do the same thing you 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 could try to put things into an outline but that whole thing about thesis topic sentence support support topic sentence support support doesn't really matter and doesn't always work and it means that you have to do something true for it to exist that's something i could grasp to to chase that truth and authenticity and the rest of life i mean i've been struggling to make resumes and put my like voice and life out there in a way that says like i can work for you yeah, sure. What do you want me to do? I can do some job of some kind of creativity for you and I can shuffle it off into something that a business would need. I don't, I don't know to try to make my life work. Um, but that in that zone of being confused about how life works and society works and, uh, paperwork, I, I was talking, the theme lately has been about the world ending a little bit. And there's some great podcasts about that. Ali had a recent, her, one of her recent ologies was about the study of how the world might end and the guy who does that um stuff you know podcast one of those guys uh, released a podcast i think is also called like how the world will end or something like that and 
it's really fascinating because it starts with just episodes about how we got here and how strangers that were here and the question of why aren't there other lives and are we the only life and there's a very good chance that we're the only life in the universe it's very fascinating but in those questions I was talking to some friends and saying like how when I was a kid I I was so obsessed with post-apocalypse and I felt like I knew I was going to see it and part of me was even like excited about the idea that that would be the world we get into being armed bands like you know (laughs) struggling through the wastelands like adventurers and just trying to survive against uh you know mutated animals uh, radioactive animals like and 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 savage cannibalistic raiders and we would just like have to live and uh that sounds horrible to a lot of people but <laughs> it appealed to me in this fundamental way cuz it sounded like that could be real life where like a good day would be one where you and the people you cared about survived and ate food and like maybe laughed together even and and you'd move around and travel a lot, you'd be outside a lot, and that would be a good life, is that struggle would be a better life than this one, where we have, like, a, a rich, real life is not defined by these simple truths, it's defined by, like, you know, how much money you're making, and how do you make more money, and are you going to have enough money to keep surviving when you're old, and, uh, you know, and, and then paperwork, it just feels like life is like paperwork, it's it's uh, degrees, and resumes, and loans, and, and, and more bank forms, and registration forms, and making sure you're all up to date, and insurance, and, and emails, and bills, and it's just like so much paperwork, like, life becomes this bureaucratic mess that doesn't make sense to my body you know and I was like post-apocalypse sounds great let's just get back to where we're just all trying to survive and there's no like interest (laughs) rates that you have to figure out and keep track of or credit scores or all these new things that define if I'm a person or not you know that are very difficult and confusing to me the world anyway (laughs) So this return to this question, are you living your legend, keeps coming up. And it's hard for me to shake. It's hard to shake. I don't know. I put so much focus into making people happy or trying to figure out how to be happy, maybe just in a mundane, like practical day-to-day way or trying to be the the good person, you know? Not like as in being so charitable or whatever, but the way we start to define good person in, in, you know, how we relate to other people. Are we being the good boyfriend? Are we taking care of someone else's feelings enough, whether they're your siblings or your parents or your lover or your whoever? Boss? I have a terrible habit of picking up... uh, father figure types like um, usually older males who become kind of a mentor of some kind and then I just feel so beholden to their opinion of me and I just want to do everything I can to make them proud of me and and not mad more like not mad at me and think I'm a a good boy on some level that you're like wow you you just didn't unpack dad stuff ever did you (laughs) You know, and, and when do you stop doing that, living for the, your opinions of other people and the feelings of other people and start following your personal legend? And part of me thinks I always did just enough to say that I was, you know, oh, I did this little job. I did this little video, you know, clever 
uh, ended recently, you know, Clever TV, where I would do some little hosting here and there. And I uh, I would only worked there a little. It wasn't like sustaining me at all. It was a little freelancey days here and there. But it was just enough that I was like, oh, this is, I'm kind of doing this thing. You know, I, early on, like 10 or so years ago, I think I named this thing. I observed this thing where so many people who want to do creative things or have a dream of some kind, some some other passion that isn't maybe in the box. They find something to do that's adjacent to their dream, that's adjacent to their personal legend. You know, you'll get a job. You, you really want to make um, art, but you get a job in, in the art world running a gallery, you know, or something like that. Um, and that way you can tell yourself you're always doing it. You're related to it. You're close to it. Uh, uh, the, my favorite example and most inspiring example of this, I think, is actually, I'm going to talk to him on this podcast. Maybe maybe soon you'll hear from him because he was actually the first podcast I recorded, my roommate Jason. And um, I just felt like I was working the kinks out. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't want to air the episode because I was like, I, I don't think this is good. This was me working out, learning how to talk to people. But Jason is a musician. He went to school and studied music. He's a brilliant musician. And he works in the music industry. And when I met him, he was working in the music industry as like a licensing supervisor, um, you know, uh, which is, you know, when you see movies or TV or video games, there's songs in those games and they got to get those songs from somewhere. And so he worked for a record label and he would pitch songs and help out with songs and just connect people up like song makers with um, from the label uh, with supervisors at their shows music supervisors at tv shows or video games or movies who are looking for songs and this might work for your club scene or whatever so he was around music all the time and working in music and going to shows all the time and little you know would plunk away here and there and some stuff a little but he went to school he's a great musician and knew that he wanted to make music and then found this job adjacent to it adjacent to it jason and at some point a few years ago jason quit with no solid, concrete knowing of what he was going to do. He just knew he had to focus on just making music, scoring music. Uh, that he That's what he wanted to do was make scores for films and, and make songs on his own. And, and he wanted to make music, be a musician that he always knew that he was. And he's done it. Like, it was hard for a while. He ended up scoring like some documentaries and just working every day. I've never met somebody. I, that's not true. I have like three people in my life now who have this work ethic and they're all around me. And this is part of the other thing uh, that is like that. Like, damn, you see these people who do it and you're like, they're living their legend. They're doing it. And it's inspiring to me just to see them. Uh, I got to be fucking start listening to the signs and omens of these brilliant people around me. But Jason started doing it, started scoring things and working on these songs and his production abilities got better and better. Just putting this time in. And eventually he was asked back to the company and he returned with the caveats that he would be able to keep creating music. And um, he returned because, you know, life happens and you need a little more stability and it is really hard to make it as a musician. But he didn't stop making music and he had already successfully made some music. And now he's like licensed out his music to like huge, to like HBO and, and stuff like that. Like he was songs he's made and he's got EPs coming out and he still grinds and he's working on this stuff all the time and it sounds better all the time and you're like he did it he realized he was doing something adjacent to his dream and then he forced himself to start pursuing his actual legend within that and now continues to you know it doesn't mean that you have to like like I think part of that example that's nuanced and important is like it doesn't mean you have to blow up your life like 
you know, might maybe a little, you got to go off and pursue that voice in you, that language of the world that's speaking to you and listen to it and like quit for a bit. But like you can make reasonable choices then too. You can find the thing that will then sustain you. But while continuing to pursue your, your dream, you can't just be, you can't just ditch out on everything and say, I'm not going to have to eat or drink water anymore. You know, you need to sustain your organism to sustain your pursuance of your legend. But I think you have to do it. And I don't know. It's hard for me to... I just know there's something off, you know? There's something wrong. And I think a lot of us might feel that way. If you really start paying attention, something is wrong. And it's not just the universe is wrong. Something is wrong in the choices that you're making. There's something that's like not exactly, exactly, exactly right. It's not quite there. And that like, it might be safer than there. It might be more secure it make more sense and you might have important reasons to remain there and that is good and listen to those things but also maybe realize that that is never going to go away that unrest and if you do settle into something that could work and be good for you and you don't ever pursue that personal legend whatever that thing is to you that story that you need to be at the center of and complete somehow it will never leave you and you will always know there's some part of you will always know ah, I didn't live my legend the people you love and who love you will know they'll know it doesn't mean they'll love you less it doesn't even mean that they'll truly be disappointed they'll just sense that unrest and you will feel it Sometimes that unrest can become bad. It can become like resentment. It can be bad, you know? It can become a little toxic. You start blaming those people that you didn't even know that you were not pursuing your dream, quote unquote, for them, you know? Got to figure it out. Listen to the signs and omens of the world that are always talking to you. Learn that language of the world, that love... And uh, get after it, you know? The sooner you start, the better you'll feel. Live your legend. Live your personal legend. And check out that book. Check out The Alchemist. Can't stop thinking about it. Can't stop thinking about it. It's a pretty quick, short book, I think. The, the audiobook is only like four hours, so check it out. Anyway, yeah, that's that's where my good bad brain's at. Not exactly frustrated, not angry, not depressed, not, you know, anything cataclysmic. Just knowing there's something off and being a little unsure what the real answer to that is, the personal legend. But just knowing that the earth keeps giving me signs and omens and keeps telling me something is off. Something is off. And you better <laughs> start making some different choices, maybe some risky choices, if it's ever going to change. I invite you to think about that also. Is the earth speaking to you in the universal language of the world? Are there signs and omens that you keep receiving and are ignoring? 
the sign or the omen, which you don't need to explain away as it's not scientific, because it's your brain, your subconscious subliminal brain, giving you a reminder that just says, hey, you know how you keep seeing cactuses and they like stand out in weird little ways? That cactus is supposed to remind you that there's something under your brain that is nagging and prickly and saying, hello, there's a desert in here in which I've managed to survive. And not only did I survive, I turned into this weird, magical thing. I'm covered in spines because I'm sharp. (laughs) Because I had to do that. Because this is a desert, and it's surrounded by animals and creatures that are always trying to take the little life that I've scraped out for myself as your dream, as your intimate knowing of your whispered thoughts, of your personal legend that you know you're not living. And so the way you've been noticing cactuses everywhere, that's a sign or an omen from your own subconscious brain reminding you, I'm here. And as much as you try to drive me out, as much as you try to ignore me and not feed or water me, I was built for this desert and I grew for this desert. And I, your personal legend, I'm not going away. There's your sign or omen. And it might not be cactuses, obviously. It might not be hummingbirds. It might not be a f- white feather like Paulo Coelho's. It might be something. And I invite you to reflect upon that sign or omen. Why am I having a repeated sign? Why, why, why? Why do I keep noticing this thing? What is that a symptom of? What is my mind and my spirit trying to tell me? We're starting to close out the year. And I know that's early to say in November, but it really feels that way. Everything starts to slow down. In Los Angeles in particular, where we don't have seasons... Seasons tend to be defined by the moods people put themselves in. And the mood in November, December is always like, it's been a long-ass year. We're tired. We're going to slow this thing down. And if we're going to get anything off the ground, it's going to be in the new year. Let's talk in the new year. Let's work in it in the new year. This is cool. I'll check this out. I'll read this over the holidays. Let's talk in the new year, you know? So I feel like I'm slowing down already. I'm going to leave town this week. <sighs> Maybe it's a good time to sit with that. For the next six weeks, you can start figuring out, among the holidays, among everything, you start figuring out what is your personal legend. How are you going to get after it? Where will you embark from new? Where will you go in the new year? may seem early to be thinking about this. I don't think so, though. All right. Thanks, y'all. See you next week.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.